and welcome to Inch Gale, a new podcast, which will be hosted by myself, Sean, and Neve. Hello. So I'll let Neve describe for people that might not know exactly what Inch Gale means. Um, thanks, Sean. So Inch Gale is a podcast that we, we've come up with. Basically, our tagline is uh, people, history and crack. So we'd like to talk about like Irish um, people of Irish heritage who've got interesting stories and, you know, a little bit about their background in their life. It's not overly historically accurate. You know, we will probably make a few mistakes along the way. And again, if we use any articles or anything like that, we'll try to cite it um, during the podcast. But it's more conversational. And um, if you don't know what the meaning of Ange scale is, it literally translates to any story, which, uh, in other words, is any crack or what's the story or, you know, tell me a story. So that's kind of the gist of it here. And um, yeah, just like you to get involved and hopefully enjoy the story. Sean's going to. Uh, introduce us to the person that we're going to be hearing about this week. Yes, exactly. So uh, we're going to rotate uh, the podcast. So this time I will host it. Next time it will be Neve, and Neve will um, choose the person or topic of interest. So without further ado, we'll get started. Um, I've chosen Tom Crean, uh, an Antarctic explorer who is from Kerry to talk about uh, for the first podcast. Tom is someone that I find a lot of people don't know about. And I myself only found out about your story a couple of years ago. Um, did, did you know anything about Tom Neve prior to me kind of mentioning I wanted to do the podcast on him? No, I, I think you mentioned him briefly a couple of years ago over a pint somewhere when we were on a holidays or down the country um, with Sam. But I don't remember anything other than that, really. I, I didn't look into it or anything like that i googled his name when you told me you were going to be um like talking about him and just saw his wee photo come up but that's about the height of it really <laughs> well yeah more general people that i've spoken to wouldn't even know the man's name um which is a shame considering what he accomplished during his lifetime um but befitting of the man i suppose he was famous for being modest and uh never actually talked about his achievements. Even his own daughters, apparently, did not know of anything about his time in the Navy or his Arctic exploring career, which is in- incredible when you think about, when you find out actually what he's done, the fact that his own family didn't even know is is, is crazy. Leading a double life almost. Yeah, well, it's just, it seems to be pure... Just absolute pure modesty, which going into the story now, you'll kind of get the measure of the man. So um, Tom left home at 15. He was born in Kerry, and I, I don't know about the pronunciation, but uh, Anaskal. Okay. I don't know if you know that place, Neve. Ever heard of that? No, never heard of it before. No, couldn't, I couldn't tell you. How are you spelling that? A-N-N-A-S-C-A-U-L. Jesus. That's a yeah, no, I couldn't tell you now. I know near Inch Beach and not too far from Clarny and Kerry, but I've never actually heard the name spoken, so I don't know how to pronounce it. Oh, but, uh, fine. <laughs> um, so Tom left home at 15, like I said. A, a rumor has it that he had a fight with his father and he ran off and signed up with the Royal Navy, who were stationed down in Cork. And that began his Arctic 
and Royal Navy career, kind of, so to say. So he travelled a bit around the world, and whilst he was in New Zealand, he'd come across a British explorer called Robert Falcon Scott. And he heard that he was going to Antarctica, and Crean asked him to please let him come. Mm. And apparently Scott had heard from other sailors that Crean was known for being a very good worker, very hard and very tough. So he took him along and they went to Antarctica. Crean proved his worth. He was good. he was exactly like the men had said. He was a tough worker, one of the fittest and strongest there. Mm-hmm. And he returned to England. Robert Falcon Scott was planning to do a trip back to the Antarctic to become the first man to reach the South Pole. Oh. Uh, so was he, sorry, uh, Sean, was he, yeah. did he go to the Antarctic, first of all, with Robert Falcon Scott? Did they? Yeah, they were doing some exploring around. Ah, okay, but they didn't actually make it to the South Pole at this point, no? No, um, they were doing some exploring and, and Tom was one of the men that was used to drag all the gear. He used to pull it with a rope and sleds by himself across the ice, which was obviously an extremely tough job and, and Tom excelled at it and, and Scott when they got back to England Scott remembered how tough he was and how good he was and subsequently asked him to go back to Antarctica oh brilliant okay very good yeah can't imagine that would be too fun of a job yeah, um, the coldest... I'd be like no thanks <laughs> yeah coldest place on earth mm-hmm. and you're asked to drag um, supplies on sleds with a rope across the ice maybe not for me <laughs> me either me either no but uh, yeah, so he asked them to come on the trip and they went down to the Antarctica again and they were going to race and become the first people to reach the South Pole. Um, and obviously at the time, Scott knew there was a Norwegian explorer by the name of Roald Almundsen, mm-hmm. um, I think, and he was trying to get to the South Pole first as well. Okay. So off this, um, yeah, uh, this was around 1911, I believe. Okay. Over a hundred years ago, Jesus. Uh, so they were literally walking across the ice, bringing all their gear uh, in Antarctica in 1911. Mm. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, when you when you consider like they had no sat navs, no things like that. It's just yeah, it's like snowmobiles or whatever else they fucking use nowadays. I don't know. Maybe no. they don't use them nowadays, do they? For that type of exploring, or is it huskies, or what sort of thing? Well, they, as they got more experience, they did start using dogs with sleds, yeah, huskies and things like that, yeah. Okay, very good. Um, but they definitely weren't um putting up anything on their Instagram stories about their trip. <laughs> oh damn, we couldn't follow them, no. No, no. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they they took out a big party, and on the way, uh, Scott kept dropping people to go back and eventually got down to the, like the last maybe 10 people and they were close to the South Pole and Scott had to pick three other guys to go with him to do the final push to the South Pole and he mm-hmm. didn't pick Crean and Tom Crean was devastated and said that he even cried he was oh, so yeah. upset that he didn't he mightn't get his chance to go to the South Pole and to me but, um, reason um, the uh, Falcon Scott was dropping people at each point. Was it? Was it? Uh, so they were carrying the supplies. Yeah. They were carrying the supplies for them. Okay. Yeah. And as they got as they got further in, they needed less and less supplies. Oh, okay. I see. They were basically the workers of the party. 
Okay. That yeah. would keep the, the the main boys fresh and have them ready for the final push. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But also, you have to forget. Remember that the fact that Tom Crean even got that far in life and was even part of the final party. Like he came from absolutely not and used to join the Royal Navy as a 15 year old boy. And here he was being yeah. selected on one of the, you know, difficult exploration missions in yeah. history. Quite an achievement. Yeah, huge. Absolutely. Uh, but it turns out, as fate would have it, Scott's decision may have actually saved Tom Crean's life. Oh, okay, go on. Because Scott went on to the pole with his three explorers. Crean headed back with two of his friends. And when Scott got to the pole, he realised that two days later, Amundsen had already been there and was had beaten him to be the first man to oh, the South Pole. Shite. So they were devastated and broken and they had to turn back. Mm. Um, while Crean was on his way back, obviously Crean was a bit further up the trail and was closer to home. One of one of his guys uh, went down with dysentery and snow blindness because he refused to wear his goggles. Uh, he refused to wear them, or how do you know he refused to wear his goggles? It says he refused to wear them because where they were walking had huge crevasses and holes in the ice, and it was really dangerous. And he 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 and he couldn't see properly with the goggles, so he kept taking them off. Oh, fuck's sake! What a nightmare! Yeah. What a nightmare. So that's why I didn't know that you could get like snow blindness and sand blindness. So when you're in those environments, you have to wear some form of eye protection. Oh, yeah, to keep yourself right. Yeah, you wouldn't think of something like that. But... Yeah, the sun, like, yeah, even though it's so cold down there, there's still obviously sunlight. Yeah, yeah, it's reflecting off it. But, uh, yeah, exactly. But so this guy became a liability. And oh, God. He couldn't. He could. He couldn't make it any further. Oh Jesus! So they still had thirty-six miles, thirty miles something not to go. And Crean decided, as he was the strongest and fittest, that he would go and do the journey on foot on his own to get try get help. And he set off with a piece of chocolate and three biscuits. Every strong man's uh, diet. <laughs> I wonder what type of biscuits they were. What do you uh, reckon? Digestives. What do you think? I'm going to say definitely weren't Mikado. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to say Oreos and I was like, oh, Jesus, I'd love an Oreo now. Not sponsored. Oh, Oreo. no. Not Oreos. It's, yeah, you think, did you? Maybe a bourbon cream. Yeah, maybe. Or a custard cream. <laughs> you know. Anyway. I don't know. <laughs> Get back to oh, us. No. We, we could go off on a tangent. Uh, we Our next podcast no. will... Involve um had an epiphany, Eve. A, a ginger nut. Oh yeah, with a cup of tea. They'd, they'd weather the elements really well. I'd say a good ginger. They actually nut. would. I'd be interested to find out. Maybe uh, for next week, that's what you can follow up on. Find out what three biscuits yeah. were. Okay, that's your homework for next week. Well, to be fair, I've eaten stale ginger nut biscuits, and they weren't that bad. Yeah, but once you dip them in tea, it's like you rehydrate them nearly. It's fine. Mr. Mr. Cream didn't have no hot hot beverage down there. I can That's tell true. you. That's true. That's true. So anyway, T- Cream trotted off his thirty-mile journey on his own in the middle of Antarctica with no 
navigation tools and nothing to back him up. And he made it. It took him 16 hours and he got there. And all he wrote in his diary afterwards, words was, I had a bit of chocolate, some biscuits. I made the trek and I was very weak when I was finished. So obviously a modest entry because he ended up saving the two guys' lives. Help was gone. Oh, yeah. He didn't say that. That's mad. He saved their lives and he ended up, when he went back to England, he went to Buckingham Palace and was awarded the Albert Medal for Lifesaving by King George. Oh, amazing. But Mr. Scott was still out on the ice with his other three fellow travellers. No, no. And Before you go on, Mr. Scott was still out on the ice. Did, was this Tom? Yeah. Tom wasn't back in England at this point. He was just with the other man. Oh, Tom was back. At, Tom was back at base. Yeah. yeah in Antarctica, like. Yeah. 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 Sorry, sorry. I I got that confused. No, you're all right. So they got caught in a storm, and they never made it back. Uh, Robert Falcon Scott's team. Yeah, the one that Crean didn't get picked for at the very last push for the pole. Fuck! So they died, did they? That. Well, they couldn't, they never returned and Crean led a search party and went out looking for him and he eventually found a tent and he found her four dead bodies. Oh my God. So, in yeah, a way, so... Uh, Robert Falcon Scott not picking Crean actually saved his life. You did mention that earlier on, actually. That's wild, isn't it? Yeah. A twist of fate because the storm that they got caught in probably no matter how tough someone was it probably would have changed anyone's life so mm-hmm. in a way the heartbreaking decision not to be picked may have saved Crean's life yeah it must have been a roller coaster of emotions obviously he'd be devastated he wasn't picked but then again you know obviously relief there maybe a bit of guilt like lots of uh, lots of mix of yeah there, just or probably t- knowing the man the Crean was, he probably would have thought I should have been there because I could have helped yeah, more. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, he'd wonder that. He lo- he, he lo- probably would have always wondered that then. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Falcon Scott, obviously, he was very famous at the time and, and it was a great a shock to the British people. But Crean um, went back anyway and then a man who I'm sure most people will have heard of, um, Sir Ernest Shackleton. You heard of him? Yes, yes, I've heard of him before. So he was planning a polar exploration down to Antarctica himself, and he'd heard about Crean's exploits and his toughness and reliability, and he was one of the first people that uh, Shackleton, one of the first people Shackleton asked to go on the trip was Crean. Crean accepted, and off they went down to Antarctica again with a big ship, called Endurance. So the experience of getting trapped and nearly killed in Antarctica didn't put Crean off. He went back for more. Good luck. I'd be like, yep, see you later. Well, I would never have been there in the first place, but, you know. No, um, I wouldn't probably want to trek across Antarctica now with all the modern inventions and satin I was let alone in 1911. That's insane, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's crazy when you think about, like... what they had, well, how little they had, and oh, it's just nuts. But do you think well, but, um, it was kind of, um, sorry, it just moved the microphone there. Do you think as well, um, is a bit of you know, they didn't know what they were going to expect, so they were kind of <laughs> like, <laughs> well, the thing is, 
Maybe initially, Neve, but when he went, when he was asked to go back again, I'm sure he had a fair idea <laughs> yeah, what it was like true. and still went. But I mean, just in general, all these explorers, they're like, oh. Which is Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus set out for the for the, the new world, but through his mathematical calculations, he figured out the earth was round, but they'd done it wrong. So he didn't realise it was as big. So he thought it would only take like a quarter of the time that I would to get to the other side. And that's how like his crew were going to mutiny and everything. They're at sea for over 40 days. And it's only by pure luck that they actually survived and made it that far to America. God. And uh, the thing is, I thought the world was flat. So you've just really changed my mind there. Blew my mind. I could say. Well, that, could another, that could be another podcast, uh, Neve, if you want. <laughs> I'm joking, guys. I do not think that the world is flat. Please don't cancel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we keep an open mind because you know there's a lot of people out there that do believe oh. in what are they called the flat, oh, the flat earthers. Earth. Yeah, fair enough. We we yeah we don't discriminate. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so basically, Crean got himself involved in what's regarded as one of the greatest survival and rescue stories in history. Shackleton's boat on getting to Antarctica got trapped in ice. They couldn't get oh, it yeah. out, and and they were stuck. Fantastic. So they had a big crew of men on a big boat and they had loads of supplies because they were just starting out and they had about 50 dogs uh, for sledding, but they couldn't go anywhere and they were stuck in the ice. So, yeah, for the next 438 days, they just floated on the ice, sitting in the boat. That's nearly a year and a half. Jesus Christ, like all killing each other, I'm sure. Like, Think about this. They had no electricity. They had, they were on ice in Antarctica, the coldest place on earth. No, um, and eventually supplies ran low, food ran low, and they had to kill all the dogs and eat them. Sean, why did you have to tell me that? Well, it's part of, yeah, it's part of the stuff they had to go through, I'm afraid. Apparently that broke some of the men, especially one of them who was really close and and looked after him. He, He shut down, like, couldn't speak or anything. It just absolutely broke him having to kill and eat oh, the dogs. I'd imagine though that's so horrific. Like I can't. Yeah, I it must have all been through, but that is just. But yeah, they, they done that for a year and a half, and also you're forgetting in Antarctica for like three months of the year, it's continuously dark. Oh. So they're sitting there. They're sitting there in a big ship, a wooden ship, trapped in ice, oh. and it's dark. Oh. Three months straight, and they're in Antarctica. Mm. No, it, that's giving me nightmares, like, seriously is. Yeah, imagine the endless dark and the cold and you're on ice. You're just... I'm sorry, yeah, just, I just... This fella, uh, Tom Crean, um, obviously Irish, and Ernest Shackleton is out from Ireland as well. I just... Ernest Shackleton was born in Kildare, I believe, yeah. No, I don't think it was Kildare now, was it? No, he was born in Kilkee, in Kilkee, in County Clare. Uh, oh, is it? It's Kilkee and Kildare. Kildare. Oh, we're just getting a job as yeah. well. Sorry about that. So, yeah, no, Sh- Shackleton was actually born in Ireland too, yeah. These two Irish men, <laughs> like, grew up, yes, Ireland is cold and wet, but like... But that's a different total level. different kettle of fish, like, so it's just so bizarre, yeah. like... And here they are down on the, on the end of the world in the oh, South it's Pole. crazy. From such a little tiny island, even. Mad. Well, 
there you go. We've got lots of people that have Irish connections, so to which you can we can we will be going through in further podcasts, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um. Oh yeah. So back to the story. The boys were floating on the ice for four hundred and thirty-eight days, and yeah. eventually they realised that uh, the ship is going to basically just crack apart and sink. So they have to get all the supplies off the lifeboats and the sink event. This, this ship eventually breaks up and sinks. So they're now stranded in Antarctica on the ice and they've got no shelter and no cover. So they're just stuck. Well, that, that just sounds absolutely low. Did they have wee tents or anything? Like how did they shelter themselves then? They-, they used the lifeboats and some like tarpaulins and they'd cover them and they'd sleep in the hulls of the little wooden lifeboats. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, clever. Still terrific. So eventually they got to the edge of the coast and they realised they had to use their little lifeboats and they sailed to an uninhabited island called Elephant Island. When they got there, some of the men were at death's door. They are just two years nearly trapped in the Antarctica. Shackleton decided to leave them there and him and a hand-picked small crew would get in a little lifeboat called the James Caird and they would sail the 800 miles to St. George's Island, which had a whaling station. Um, initially thought he wasn't going to pick Crean, but Crean begged him to go. He realised that Crean was strong and tough, so he said, yeah. Sorry, and before you go on, I don't mean to keep interrupting you, but I, this might seem like a stupid question, but what on earth is a whaling station? Is it like where people go to cry? <laughs> That's what <I'm> <laughs> no, there's not a lot of sad nuns down there in the middle of the Antarctic. Okay, well, what what? It's a, you know Moby Dick. You ever heard a book Moby yeah, Dick? Yeah, okay, I know about that. Yeah, yeah. Hunted whales, and that was where they processed them, their blubber, and took out their oil. Oh Jesus! And what? So, that's, so yeah. what did they use the oil for in whales for? Is that loads of stuff? Because before electricity, they needed lamps for lighting and they used them as kerosene and things like that. Oh, those lamps. Interesting. Oh, okay. Okay. Very good. Those lamps and stuff, they used to burn oil and they got they, they got a lot of their oil. This is before like petrochemicals and the industrial scale of petroleum and crude oil and all mm-hmm. that. Um, before all that, they used oil from animals like seals and, and blubber and, and whales. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not, I could be completely wrong. That's just what I think. Yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead. So anyway, they, they were looking... So yeah, the boys in their life raft travelled across the most dangerous ocean in the world, 800 miles, and all they could do was navigate by using um, the sun. And apparently in like the eight days they were out at sea or something like that, the navigator only seen the sun three times and he managed to guide them the 800 miles across open water to South Georgia Island. Jesus Christ. How long did it take them to do Oh, it took them at least eight days, I think. Oh, my God. So, yeah, and apparently Crean, when he was on watch duty on the little lifeboat, he whistled and sang the whole time to keep morale up because the boys were at breaking point. Oh, so cute. But Crean never cracked. And when they got to the island, they realised they couldn't land on the side of the island where the whaling station is, and they'd have to land on the other side. And across... The island was this huge mountain and it was like a 50 mile trip and Shackleton decided that he would pick Crean and the captain to go with him because they were the strongest. 
So they made this horrific, grueling 33-hour something like that trip on foot across the whole island up a mountain with snow and glaciers and everything. No human had ever crossed that mount, that, that island either. They did it. Uh, they were near death by the time they got to the whaling station and they managed to tell the boys their story. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. And eventually, after four failed rescue attempts in a few months, they managed to reach the other guys on... Elephant Island, and they realised that every one of them were still alive, and no man died in the during the whole process. I can't believe that. I actually can't. Yeah, it's no one died on that whole expedition after everything that they'd been through. Shackleton's example of leadership and courage and bravery and just stubbornness to not quit is taught in like military colleges across the world, uh, just like. The rescue and what him and Crean and, and the captain went through is just, it's beyond even, like, <laughs> you just can't even fathom yeah, it. Yeah, like. I really can't. Like, I am such a weakling. The first hurdle, I'd be like, no, I'm just going to dig myself a wee hole in the snow here and go to sleep. <laughs> There's just no... Yeah, like, when, what was the point where they were just, like, Apart when the ship, like apart from being stuck there for two years, but when the ship just broke up and sank and went under the ice, what was the point where it just went? You know what? Enough's enough. I've had enough of this. <laughs> Seriously, if that happened, like your only form of like halfway decent shelter just disappears into the ice and the water. Yeah, after two years nearly. Oh my god! I just I can't. I can't. But they all. Here's me. <laughs> here's me. They haven't eaten in a couple of hours. Going, I can't go on. Well, say that again. I missed that. So, sometimes if I haven't eaten in a long time, I'm just like, I can't go on. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, yeah. So dramatic. But you are, um, you're an animal without food. But anyway, go on. <laughs> so basically, the boys saved all their lives and it's go- it goes down in history as possibly the greatest ever rescue and survival mission that's ever happened. Tom went back to England, won another polar medal for exploration, was promoted. Classic Tom. Um, he got injured on a ship when he was doing a mission, um, and he hurt. And he, his vision went a little bit, and he was a little bit hurt. So he got medically discharged. Um, and he, went, he went back to Ireland, but before he went, uh, Shackleton asked him to go on another mission to Antarctica. Crean said no this time because he wanted his dream was to go back to Ireland, settle down and open up a business. Oh, okay, that's nice. Shackleton proceeded down to Antarctica, stopped off in St. George's Island on the way and died of a massive heart attack. Oh, for God's sake. So, like, he just put himself under more stress there doing that again. On what planet? Yeah, can you imagine going through all that and going back to Antarctica? No, there, there's something, there's something inside him that just was like, I'm not giving up. I need to. He must, he must really not have liked his wife. Oh Jesus Christ! Speculate. Why would you go back? <laughs> um, yeah, but apparently, he didn't really get. There was Shackleton died in debt, and his wife was very unhappy, and she asked for him to be buried on the island, and he's still there to this day. South, uh, what's it called? South Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's a bit sad. Right. So Crean goes back to Ireland and opens up a little pub in his home village and he called it the South Pole. Oh, I love that. That's so nice. We'll have to visit. And it's, we'll have to get the it's still there today. It's still there today. Fast. 
Um, he married and had three daughters. Um, and yeah, lived a quiet life. No, nobody in his daughters never knew about his adventures or what he'd done um, until after he died, when they f- they f- came across his pictures and medals. Oh, that's mad, isn't it? He obviously didn't want to like talk about it, or you know, didn't want to probably yeah. bring it up again. It's probably very hard to go over that again, like trauma. Yeah, there's another kind of issue as well is when he went back to Ireland, it was in the middle of like the War of Independence. So him being in the Royal Navy, might he was in a hotbed area of like, you know, what would you call him? Like the Republicans and stuff and, the, and that. So it, it may have been dangerous for him to talk about it too. Oh, uh, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Saying that he was there, in there the was a, Navy. There was a story where there was a... Yeah, there's a story where there's a black and tan raid on his house and they were ransacking it and one of the soldiers opened up a drawer and he found the pictures of Crean and all these medals that he'd won and stuff from being in the Royal Navy and apparently they like just put everything back and just left the house and never came back. Just mm. absolutely in shock because they hadn't realised who he was. Yeah, they probably they had no idea. Like I'd say they were like, oh shit, don't mess with this guy. Yeah. See you later. Back in the house. You see a picture of Tom Crean with King George. Oh my God! Yeah, getting um, getting his medal. <laughs> they probably got some fright. I'd say- They're like, "Who the hell is this thing?" <laughs> oh God, oh, that's mad. So poor, poor Tom lived for another twenty odd years, and just after his sixty-first birthday, he got a burst appendix. Went to the local hospital. Apparently, there was no surgeon to operate. He was moved to a hospital in Cork, I think, oh. and then. Unfortunately, an infection had set in and he died about a week later, just after his 61st birthday, I think. Oh, poor devil. God love him. After and all. And he remained pretty much, yeah, he remained pretty much confined to the back corridors of history, much like Shackleton, actually. There was only a revival a long time after his death about his, like, stories got known but Crean did start getting more known and a couple of books have been written about him and now they've built a statue of him in his home village down in Kerry oh isn't that nice oh yeah and you can go go see his pub yeah I mean to be fair he should have a film there should be a film about him I'm surprised there isn't a big Hollywood type movie about them. Yeah, but well, I know, guess maybe money makers. A lot of them him sitting in that boat on the ice in Antarctica for two years in the dark. That can't be too chilling. Well, actually, yeah, um, yeah. To be fair, they probably speed that bit up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, do you reckon they'd show the part where they kill the huskies and eat them? Okay, Sean. No, I don't think they would show that. God's sake. <laughs> Oh, they might, they might infer it though. You know the way they do like a cutscene. Okay, no, I'm not getting into this. This is too deep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there you go. One for, who would you get to play him? Who would you? Who, which actor would Wait, you get to play Wait, let me look at this photo. Hold on. Um, I don't know. I'm thinking uh, Michael Fassbender's looking like a pretty good match for him. What do you think? That's that's a great shout, and you got the yes, Irish connection as well, actually. Oh yeah, he just needs a bit more that's, of a wee beard a on him, and he's sorted. Wee pipe and a wee hat, and sure, look, he'd be lovely. And four wee dog, sure of him. I don't know, don't know how he'd fare in the cold though. 
not. Yeah, good show, though. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. a good show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, when when Michael uh, listens to this podcast, I'm sure he'll uh, get onto somebody and maybe start getting the oh, movie yeah, in actually, motion. So, Michael, if you're listening, you know we're behind you. We'll go and wa- we'll go and look at the film. We'll go and watch it. <laughs> yeah. We um we we'll definitely be up for uh you know getting some uh, credit in the titles or something like that. You know, seeing as it was 100%. our idea. Yeah, absolutely. Hundred <laughs> percent. So that's my um, that's my very um, undetailed and probably slightly inaccurate version of Mister Tom Crean, um, a brilliant man and definitely a story that should be known by Absolutely. more people. I think. So next podcast is going to be Neve's yeah, turn. Yeah, I'm afraid now. I'm a bit nervous about it. I'm not really sure who I'm going to do. So I need to do a bit of research this week. Um, and hopefully it'll be as interesting as that. It might be a bit more well-known because, you know, we're only starting off. I can't spend too much time with this. You know, we've got day jobs. So um, we, um, yeah. I'll do a bit of research. You're not allowed from not on Niall Horan from One Direction. Uh, by very the way, interesting FYI. life. Come on. <laughs> I didn't say it wasn't. <laughs> too relevant, but... <laughs> too relevant. Yeah, I, I get you. I um, no, fair mm-hmm. enough. That's grand. Thanks so much. That was really interesting. Um, and like you said, um, of course, just for everyone listening, it's not going to be completely historically accurate. It's just conversation, you know, make pe- people a bit more aware about these really interesting characters. Um, and yeah, if you want to maybe send us a suggestion, we are on Twitter at Angel Podcast. And I'll spell that out for you non-Irish speakers. So that is A-O-N-S-C-E-A-L and then podcast. Um, you'll find us on there and you can tweet at us um, if you have any other um, people who have Irish ancestors or Irish heritage that you'd like us to speak about that we might not necessarily know about. That would be great. Yeah, feel free to drop some suggestions on who you'd like us to have a chat about next time as well, yeah. Pretty good. And drop a um, yeah, drop a follow on the Twitter if you see it, because then you'll get uh, notified when yeah, the next podcast good. is up. Very good. All right. Alrighty. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. See you next week. Bye. Slow the way, yeah. <laughs>